Hello, friends, and welcome to a golf podcast unlike any other. This is Fairway Rollin' on the Ringer Podcast Network. I am your starter, Joe House. Every week on Fairway Rollin', it is myself and our PGA Tour correspondent on the ground, Nathan Hubbard, talking all things professional golf, amateur golf, amateur betting, professional betting, amateur drinking, professional drinking by birdie buddies. If you want to hit them straight out there, please check out Fairway Rolling every week available on Spotify. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now you can check out the new and improved quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another edition of Weekends on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambray, and I'm joined by a very special and esteemed guest, formerly of the Milwaukee Bucks, now of The Athletic, my man, the guy with the wettest jump shot in NBA media, Seth Parknow. What's going on, brother? There's not video proof of mine like there is for Lee Ellis, but uh, but yeah, I, I'll, but I, I, I think it's accurate. Super accurate. This man has range out to 30 feet. I promise y'all, I'm not lying. I didn't know they had basketball courts in Alaska, yet here we are. Okay. That's some serious Trajan Langdon erasure going on right now, but okay. <laughs> Shouts to Carlos Boozer. Um, man. I'm so happy that I was smart enough to ask you to come on the day after this Bucks celtics game because I know you're watching this series with a very keen eye, as are the rest of us. And man, um, just a good old-fashioned Eastern Conference slobber knocker. That's, that is the correct word. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, NBA playoffs uh, started and then the hockey game broke out. <laughs> So, man, I saw this stat floating around the internet uh, per cleaning the glass. On first shot attempts, (laughs) the 
the Celtics were had an 82 offensive rating and the Bucks had a 76. That is insane half court defense. Yeah, it's yeah. I think we knew that about both these teams. I'm I'm frankly a little surprised that uh the thing we we thought coming into this series was the advantage uh Boston would have on the wings with Chris Middleton out and uh, Milwaukee isn't outplaying isn't even really totally matching them but they're blunting the advantage. I mean Wes Matthews is is playing Jason Tatum I, not to a draw but again he's not getting he's not getting killed and if you'd have told me before the series that, that it would swing on the fact that Wesley Matthews can guard Jason Tatum straight up I would have asked you to have your head examined. Um I do think that that Boston and Tatum in particular are uh playing into this a little bit. Um uh there there's their Boston especially earlier in the year had the tendency to kind of, you know, flatten out the floor and, you know, almost play James Harden-esque offense with Tatum at the top. And if it's just a situation like that where Wes Matthews can kind of be physical and doesn't have to navigate screens, doesn't have to yeah. chase a guy around, like he still he has that. It's just if you if you're making him like, you know, run off screens, chase you side to side, um, you know, th- his mobility isn't what it was and and so that would be where Boston could get some advantage, but I think um, for whatever reason, Boston hasn't consistently done that when that's really been a characteristic of their, of their offense for, you know, the last couple of months of the season since they've been on their, their tremendous run. Yeah. And, you know, oftentimes when your half court offense is sputtering in the way that Boston's did, and it, and again, it's not like they're playing, you know, uh, some they're not playing the Hawks, right? Like they're playing a team that has established not just over the course of this year, over the course of about three, four years, four years. now of defensive excellence and dominance, right? So you would expect that they might run into some trouble in the half court, and you would just hope that Boston to goose their numbers and efficiency could get something done in transition. And they have just been horrific, especially yesterday, and it wasn't for lack of trying. They were getting out in transition. They just couldn't convert. In fact, I'd say their poor offense is almost, I mean, you you were just talking about like Milwaukee's um, struggle, to put it mildly, to score in the half court. But if you give up what what uh, uh, Milwaukee had nine steals yesterday, like, you know, live ball turnovers are are a pretty good way to get Milwaukee some yep. so get Milwaukee some easy shots. And in a close game, you know, uh, turnovers and offensive rebounds. Sort of. This is not a you know I I I didn't flippantly make the hockey reference because yeah. you know, hockey it's like you know it's it's it's, uh, it's shots on goal is sort yeah. of the and and the team that wins the shots on goal battle because they're 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 all low percentage, but you take more of them, more of them will go in, and that's that's a little bit. Where this What's year, happening. like, yep. yeah, and, and certainly in games one and three, game game two, uh, Boston was just, like made made a lot of shots and and, and played much better. But uh, certainly in games one and three, it was very rock fightish. Of course, we're you know we're damn near ten minutes into this and haven't mentioned you know the elephant in the room or the freak in the room. <laughs> but Giannis was just he was incredible yesterday. Um, and which, you know, at this point, it's kind of what we expect out of the guy. The first two games, straight up, Boston 
did what they needed to do. They got stops, and specifically, he got his shots off in the restricted area and didn't convert. They were bothering him. The length was bothering him. His timing was a little off. Like, I was like, wow, like, Boston has done as good a job as I've ever seen somebody do, basically, in recent times, defending what Giannis does so expertly, which is get buckets around the basket. But I just had a feeling like you can't count on keeping the biggest monster in the paint, in the game, out of there and stop him from converting. And I thought he reverted back to more Giannis stuff where it says dude was 10 of 15 in the restricted. By my count, that's pretty damn good, Seth. I, I don't it, I don't even think Boston defended him poorly. There was just a <laughs> lot of, you know, like Grant Williams, I think, is doing a pretty good job. Yeah. It's but it's it's you know, there was it's a, lot the, the one, banging, a lot of banging. There is a there's a lot of banging. banging. There, there's a lot of banging. This is this is, you know, this is, you know, maybe the best part of like nineties and early two thousands basketball we're getting from yeah. that. Um I and, and that's enjoyable. But but yeah, Boston's making it tough on him, but if he, you know, you're one of the top two or three players in the game, you can they can make it tough and you can still score. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I do like you know not to be like this as as is my uh, my want to sort of uh, pump the brakes a little bit. I do wonder, depending on the length of Chris Middleton's absence, mm-hmm. if Milwaukee can ask this of Giannis for this in two more series. You know, that's like he was he was. Like he, had, he like he was he, gassed. Like this, yeah, like this is that like like he wasn't like he didn't get he didn't get into the forties easily. He had to work for it, yeah. and you could tell he'd had to work for it. Um, and you know maybe that maybe that doesn't take cumulative effect this series, but you know presumably like if they see Miami next round, it's going to be a little more of the same. More, and then yeah, then the whoever same. yeah whoever they play in the finals, you know yeah, uh, as if they get through that, like uh, you know um bang up against Draymond Green or DeAndre Ayton. Actually, like like Phoenix might even have the as good as Phoenix is, they might have the 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 fewest bodies to throw at them almost. Yeah. Um, but I don't yeah, I'm not yeah. crazy about Ben smacked Biombo and and uh JaVale McGee's ability to, you know, do Stay spot duty. Yeah. <laughs> when Ayton inevitably picks up two quick fouls on Giannis. Like and yeah. that, you know, that became a problem last year in the finals, but we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. So Giannis comes out in the third. Just a little. <laughs> just you a know. little. Yeah, yeah, just three rounds from now. Yeah. Um, Giannis comes out, and in the third quarter, he's basically dominant. He was a plus 14 in the quarter by himself. Um, He just, you know, dominated. They get out to a really big lead. And it feels like Boston is dead in the water. They inevitably come back, take the lead, um, I'm somebody who thought that Boston would win this series in about six or seven games. I just, I just thought they had more advantages to press because of the Middleton injury. Um, what do you think they could be doing more of going forward? Um, because again, they were they this game was there for them to take it, even though they went down big in the second half. Oh, I like I'll I'll freely admit that with the Middleton injury, I picked Boston in five. Mm. Like I, you know, oh. that's. Um, and that, that's you disrespected Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. Seth. Say sorry now. 
No, yeah. disrespect. Like uh, that's a that's another rant for another time. But no, like two two teams enter, one team leaves. You're not disrespecting the team. Like you got to pick one. It's not like it's you know. I think they're both very good. One is one has all their guys. The other doesn't. Yes, it's disrespectful to point that out. Okay, whatever. Um, no, I think that I think that so that like. I think some of it, like Tatum almost, and I'm going to make a weird comparison because he's a much better player, I think, but there's a, like Tatum's almost carriage is a little too reminiscent of Carl Anthony Towns. He seems a little like too amped up. Wow. You know? Okay. Yeah. Like, like not to the extent of like Towns where he like basically took himself out of the play in game <laughs> by like being so like, I'm going to go run, make something happen and run something. So but Tatum is like, mind. he's very like, you know, he's never, he's never, he's always been like gesticulative, to, but he's very like, and, and just like, con, like banging his head against the wall of Wes Matthews and not, you know, when he's been at his best, you know, over the net series, over the latter half of the season, he's, taking he's what been, the defense is giving him. yeah, he's been, he's been patient and surgical and, you know, you have to give credit to Milwaukee for making that hard on him. But I think he is also falling into the trap of I'm going to run through this instead yeah. of I'm going to work around it and we'll go second side and get some good over there. Then the ball come back to me and now Wes, is, Wes Matthews is closing out on me. And now, like, here I go. I do think that there's one name, like you said, we hadn't mentioned the elephant in the room. I thought you were going to go Brooke Lopez. Mm. Um, that's that. I think that is a that, He's that been cannot so be dominant in the freaking yeah. paint. Whenever they try to attack in there, it's like they're banging their head against a brick wall. Like he's been it, it. Like so, I remember we talked to we talked to Zach Harper up here, and he was like, "Man, I'm a little bit worried about the Bucks because their defense just hasn't been there this year." And it's like, "Yo, they haven't <laughs> had Brooke Lopez." Their defense had back surgery. Bruh, the second this fool comes back, they're back to just dominance again. And yesterday, like you just mentioned, was very, you know, illustrative of that. Yeah, I think that there's there's a there's a, a micro point about how like important Brooke Lopez is to the Bucks defense. Um I think a couple of years ago when the year that Giannis won defensive player of the year, uh, I didn't have a vote. Um but if I had one, I would have voted for Brooke Lopez for Defensive mm, Player of the Year. Wow. And I think that that, uh, and I think you're seeing why. But also, I think he is indicative of how you know the trend across the league of teams starting to play bigger. And it's they have kind of this this space eating like center who can who can man the paint, and then an athletic four who can kind of run around destroy everything. Uh, mm -hmm. Cleveland had great success with that this yep. year during the regular season. Memphis and they've kind of completely gotten away from it for. You know, understandable reasons, though. I think I think it's legitimate that Stephen Adams yeah. can't chase a, Steph Curry around. Yeah. It's Kilo. I mean, but but you're sort of seeing like you know, uh, you're seeing like there's part of the reason like Jaron Jackson's always in foul trouble is he fouls fifty percent more often when he's playing without Stephen Adams when he's playing the five. Like that's that's you know that, that that's demonstrable this year i you know i when crunch the numbers it's like 3.9 per 36 with steven adams and 5.4 without yeah like, that's that's the, a material difference yeah and and for a, you know and for a guy who's spent some important time on the bench but i think that but the point is is that is that like anchor big it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of something we've moved away from a little bit and i think 
uh, it, it maybe the, the job requirements are different than they used to be where it could have just be like, you know, Roy Hibbert or Kendrick Perkins or whatever. Sure. Like these, these guys are, are much more mobile. Like it's a, that's a, that feels like a weird thing to describe about Brooke Lopez, but his like small space agility and his ability yeah. to, um, you know, uh, my colleague, our friend Eric Name, wrote a great article about a month ago, I guess, where or to last year, sorry, the one this year was Drew Holiday, where last year where he like, like interviewed uh, Brooke and put it over video of Brooke talking about like his knowledge of the rules and how he could position himself and what's coming and where he's got to be and stuff like that. And so even if he's not like as physically fast his reading of the game and his mental speed allows him to make up for that. And then just, you know, being big and in the way is He's pretty so good. He's so huge. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, this is some of my favorite stuff because, and people don't remember this, but early on in Brooks' Brooklyn tenure, his defense was a fucking complaint. Like, people were like, bruh, this guy kind of stinks at defense. And he made himself into one of the best guys in the league to the point where you're like, no, like he's played defensive player of the year caliber defense. And we always forget, like in the playoffs, you know, people are trying to get those advantages. And the best shots are the shots closest to the basket. It's You learn this shit the first day you pick up a basketball at six years old, right? And... If you have a guy who was making those shots extremely difficult, not just to make, but to get off in the first place, you know, that's of, you know, incredible value in the postseason. Yeah. And that allows, you know, part of the reason like we've been giving Wes Matthews his due and he deserves every bit of it. But part of the reason he, you know, he can take the risk of being like, you know, up and under a guy who's quicker than him is he knows, all right, I got. I got the seven course, footer behind me, yeah. and behind him we got the we got the other guys. So yeah. you know, there's plenty of help. You know, the times where I do get beat, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna push up as much as I can, and he's not getting that pull up off. Yeah, this isn't Utah where guys are just like, no, let me just not have any resistance. And literally, the only other good defensive player on this team is Rudy. It's like, no, there's two defensive player of the year caliber guys behind Drew fucking Holiday. Okay, like this, it's a problem. It's, yeah. it's it's a problem, and I think you're seeing that in Boston. Like these numbers are sort of speaking to for themselves. Jason Tatum, four for nineteen, obviously on its face is horrible. But like Seth mentioned, when you're watching the game, this shit is difficult. Like these, he's not getting easy shots, right? Like this isn't coming within the flow of their offense. And it's like, oh, they ran some action to spring Tatum free and he's getting something up. Like he is working for everything. He's on the ball. He's initiating pick and roll. He's doing so much freaking work. And some of these shots were good looks that just, you know, didn't go down. But a lot of them were of high difficulty. Um, Again, like I think people look to Jalen Brown because basically the thought was like when his matchup isn't Drew Holiday, these should be guys like Grayson Allen and Connaughton and even Wes Matthews that the guy should be able to take advantage of. And he hasn't really been able to, you know, cook as much as we thought, you know, outside of game two. However, Al Horford, um, my God, this guy is incredible. <laughs> like, remember, remember when we Stevens thought he was washed? Like a genius. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
I was like, oh, God, Brad Stevens doing the Doc Rivers shit. Oh, let me go get all of my older players, bring them back, because I know them and I love them. And, you know, I feel comfortable and I feel safe when these when I'm in these guys' hands. And I was like, I don't know about this Horford thing, man. Like, I think there was a reason you guys could go out and get him. But he's been a, a damn godsend this playoffs, and especially against the Bucs. No, I mean, he gives, you know, the, you've talked about Grant Williams doing it. Like, him and him and Grant Williams are the two guys who have been able to at least, like, bother. Manage. Yeah, yes. yeah Manage. like, yep. ro- like Robert Williams uh, doesn't have the quickness and probably plays a little too straight up and down. And, like, whenever he gets on, like, like it's, it, he, and he's just way too big for, for, for Tatum and, and, and Brown. And and so, but the like that, and and then on the other end, like it's sort of one of the things. And going back to when he was in Boston the first time, like when we when we played them in the playoffs, and that was when I was with the Bucks. When we played them in the playoffs, there was a little bit of all right. Well, this is going to be our coverage, and we're going to make Al Horford have to shoot it every time. Like I, we know how Horford can shoot it, but, but he doesn't he's, want to. He doesn't want to. And he's like, like Mark Gasol in that. Yeah. Way. And, and and he has been at least I think I think he's sort of okay. Well, we're not getting everything else we want, but this shot is open, so I'm gonna let it fly. And that uh, that was a big part of like he was he was great in the fourth quarter yesterday. That was a huge like he was he was the second best player on the floor for long stretches that game. Um, and and so that's been you know that that's been one of the really like interesting things about the series. And this again, why you think both these teams are good is like Boston has six guys that can step up at any given time and they just haven't had enough of them in two of the three games. Look, I picked Boston before the series. I still think they're in pretty good position. They get this game four. They'll have two more home games. Um, I think if they could get game four, they're still going to win this series. But essentially, and I hate being a sports media must-win game guy, but game four is a must win. <laughs> I just like I don't think they can count on making jump shots three games in a row if they need to win mm. three games in a row. And yeah. that's, you know, that's, you know, like if there is a flaw to this team, it's they are, you know, they've got a couple guys who can shoot feet set, but they don't have, you know, they don't have a uh they don't have a Seth Curry. You know, they don't have a just that guy, that wing guy who is, you know, high volume knockdown. That you yeah. can you can you can break a team out of that 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 sort of that that very crunched in defense that Milwaukee that very physical and crunched in defense that Milwaukee is playing. They did. I mean, they did, in game two they did a great job moving the ball quickly side to side, but I think Milwaukee did a better job containing in game three. Also, this episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. 
This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Yeah, and, you know, Marcus Smart, who's an important player for them, just hasn't gotten it going. Yesterday was a bit of a nightmare for him. Um, I guess we got to talk about that last, those last few plays. Um, I think it's obvious that was a shooting foul. Everybody agrees with that. Even on the, on the, I'm so happy they did the purposely missed the free throw. I think that's the chance you should be taking in that scenario. It ends up working. Um, and he got fouled again. However, you can't call that. You can't call that. Exactly. And also, Marcus Smart is the boy who cried wolf. I'm sorry. I love that the refs don't give that fool the benefit of the doubt. That's just me. This isn't an anti-Boston thing. I just think the fucking, the acting and the tomfoolery and trickeration that these guys are doing to the refs, the job is hard enough. I want to see the refs start going, look, man, if this shit ain't obvious that somebody like Marcus Smart or Chris Paul or James Harden got hit, I'm not calling that shit. And I think on the last play, I'm happy that they swallowed their whistles. I mean, I don't, you don't want to, like, both fan bases, judging from, like, my Twitter mentions, were not happy with the refereeing. And I think, I fr- frankly think with some justification, I thought it was, I thought it was, I didn't think it was lopsided. I thought it was uneven. Just in, gotcha. like, in, in the space of a couple minutes, like, Jalen Brown, like, gets a pretty soft foul call where he kind of lost the ball and Giraldi may have tapped him on the arm. And then like two trips later, Giannis hammers him. And there's like, and there's a lot of that just both ways where the inconsistency and the amount of contact, that was a foul. So that was, that was a, I don't think it, it ultimately, other than, you know, maybe Marcus Smart should have had three, three, three throws. Okay. Marcus Smart should have had three free throws to tie, but I thought it like was, it was balanced, just like inconsistent and frustrating. But it's a hard job, and as uh, I, w- I was talking to uh, to Mo Dekeel about this, and he was and he was he made the point like I would hate to ref a Giannis game. It's like it's the equivalent of of, of Shaq, yeah, because yeah. yeah, there's just so much contact. So, and here's the thing about Giannis too: it's like he does get brutalized, but man, boy, does he, he, he do he a lot of work with that off that yeah. off arm? My God, dude! So, like to me, he's drawing even on that because he does clubs people in the fucking chest with his big ass forearm and I'm just like bro what are people's what the hell is Robert Williams supposed to do when he's just being freaking assaulted on damn near every drive like it's ridiculous what's happening so I'm completely fine with how that's being called like Giannis he's dishing it out he's getting it I think those are basically at the end you're getting an even distribution I still think Boston ultimately, man, like if they can be better than an 82 or 76 rating in the half court, they can win this series. It seems like that's attainable, Seth. Like, it does. Um, <laughs> you, so this is, this is a, um, you know, I don't want to say it's a benefit that Middleton is out, but one thing it is doing is like, okay. Drew Holiday and Giannis each took 30-something shots. It's a must. Yesterday. Has to happen. <laughs> but so, okay, that's the offense. 
all of you other guys, you're playing defense. Yeah. And that, and that sort of, um, uh, is allowing, okay, well then this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about getting, you know, Wes Matthews not worried about getting, you know, spot yeah. up three and doing the bow and arrow. He's just right, like, right, all right, right, I'm, you know, I'm on offense and I'm still thinking about the next time I'm going to smack Jason Tatum in the chest. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we could just wrap this up. What do you think Boston can do aside from just make a couple of shots? I don't know that there's anything that they can do rotationally. I've seen some shit out there. People saying Derek White might need some more run. I don't know. I mean, like at a certain point, like I think they can. I think they should. They can set some screens higher up the floor because Boston, like, Milwaukee's ball pressure is so extreme mm-hmm. that maybe they can kind of get that that sort of half half court fast break mm-hmm. thing going. Get rolling downhill, yeah. Yeah, either like you know set the a screen old, in the the old Miami Heat LeBron joint where they would set the screen like five feet away from the three point line yeah. so that this dude could get ahead of steam. Um, I think Jason Tatum needs, yeah, definitely needs some of that. Or or even in the backcourt. Just like something to get like right. something moving towards the basket with a little more speed. Um, I like I gotta give I gotta give tremendous credit to the Bucks coaching staff because you look mm-hmm. before the game, it's like where are advantages coming from? And they looked and they're like, Okay, Boston's really good, but you know what they don't have? They don't actually have a lot of team like straight line speed. So mm-hmm. we can get up into them. And it it like it can, it it won't hurt us as much because like right. the only guy who's really like a burner is not is is uh, Jalen Brown, and he's not the surest ball handler under pressure. So it's it's not like you know you you pressure up on Trey or something like that, and it's right. like well he's gone, and then we're yeah. Um, but they, Boston doesn't have that, so I think that that's um, I think that that was a good identification of where they might be able to have an advantage by by Milwaukee's coaching staff because it's been very clear in every game like they are picking up at the opposite free throw line whenever possible. And, you know, that, that, uh, that, that also, if, if you're not asking, you know, Wes Matthews and Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen and who, and Javon Carter, when he's in the game to do anything on offense, but stand in the corner, they can do that. They can pressure 94 right. feet. Um, so I think this is, you know, it's, it, it, there's a good job of making the best of what they have. Certainly. So I want to get you on the record. Um, you're picking the Bucks to go to the conference finals. You, you're I mean, flip flopping on your pick. I, I mean, three games have happened, so it's like you know, even if <laughs> you've got good information, yeah, now, yeah. Right? I mean, no, instead yeah, like, of guesswork. <laughs> I mean, the, the difference between needing to win, you know, uh, this, this is you know, this is uh, you know, to three is greater than two. And Boston needs to win three games, and Milwaukee only needs to win two. And so, even if, even to the de- degree that I thought before the series that as available, Boston might have had a better team, better roster, they're not that much. They're not a full game better over mm. over over four games. So mm. that's that. You know, obviously, it's it's advantage Milwaukee. But again, game four that that swings back pretty hard the other way. Mm. Like it's game four is going to be uh, like you know. Yeah, it's a must. It's kind of a must win for both teams, frankly. Yeah, I love the way you put that. I, I really still, I just have to believe Boston can play better. They can play like closer to their form after they went down by damn sixteen points. Uh, I really do think they're going to ultimately pull it out, but it's going to be hard. And this is what we love about the postseason: watching these young guys figure this shit out. Figure out a way to win this damn knife fight. I really think Boston is going to ultimately be able to do it. I just think like they just have the, the the clear, if not decisive, talent advantage. 
and I'm always going to think talent is going to win out um, overall. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really do think Boston's going to find a way to get game four. They're going to have the two home games in their back pocket and um, ultimately get to the third round. But it, it's going to be, yeah, it's, it's basically Gotti versus Mickey Ward. Um, just think of any just boxing match where the two guys are going to be no rematch. Ain't going to be no rematch. No. <laughs> So, Seth, man, let's get you out of here. Tell the people where they can find you and your incredible work, man. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Seth Partnow. Uh, I, I'm writing. Uh, I, you can listen to me on Nerder. She wrote every week, but this week since I'm in Spain uh, on on the Athletic NBA show. Uh, read me a couple times a month at uh, the Athletic and um, uh, buy my book, The Mid Range Theory. Uh, Audio book just came out. Um, let's go. I'm, work, I'm working on the uh, the updated. Uh, you know the introduction to the updated paperback edition now, and that'll be out in the in the fall. But if you can't wait, paperback and uh, e-readers version still available anywhere books are sold online. I love it. Yeah, go get the mid-range theory. You jokers are listening to podcasts. Y'all can get the audio book. Jesus Christ. Um, thank you, man. Thank you for coming on and doing this. I know you're not even in the country and you're doing your thing. So thank you for taking the time. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. I'll see you guys on Wednesday. Um, on group chat with Justin Varian and Rob Mahoney. We're out of here. Peace. Peace.